mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 3 as we continue with this grand courtroom and the witnesses of who Jesus Christ is. And if you remember when we closed last lesson, Jesus has cleansed the temple. He came in at his first cleansing. We know that he does that again at the end of his ministry before he goes to the cross and dies for the sins of the world. But he has cleansed the temple, and now we are told in the Bible that you and I are the temple. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So if the Spirit of God is dwelling in you, are you allowing him to cleanse your temple? There's the washing and the cleansing of the temple of God. You and I are being fitted together as living stones, making a house for God. And are you letting him cleanse you? By the water, through the word. That's what he says in Ephesians 5. uh, That husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify, set her apart, cleanse her, wash her uh, with the water, which is the Holy Spirit, by the word. And I always like that because sometimes those little bitty words are so important. By the words, when you look it up, is the Greek preposition in E-N. It's the same as in John uh, uh, 14 when he says that the Holy Spirit will be uh, alongside you and then he will come in you, E-N, right? And then he can come up on you with power. It's so important to understand that it's the work of the Holy Spirit. When there's an empty vessel, John chapter 2, pour in the empty vessel, the water, and then out comes the fruit of that water, which becomes wine, newness of life, washing and cleansing you from the inside out. So many people, so many of the church, we can dress up, we can look the part, we can walk around and and have Christian ease, but is the inside of the temple being washed and cleansed? Washed and cleansed. The outside is not the important part. It's the inside. The outside, you're going to have new. The flesh, you will get a new body. In a twinkling of an eye, we're going to have a new body when Christ returns. That's the final stage of this race, the glorification. So are you allowing God to wash and cleanse you, spirit and truth, with the water through the word? And as I look around, I I wanted to make sure I made this point uh, because I believe as he began his ministry then that he is actually washing and cleansing his church now. 
but we can see it in the world clearly or more clearly than ever before since 2020. I know it began, they called it COVID-19, but in 2020, which is perfect vision, remember that? That's what they say is perfect vision. I used to have it. I can't see now. But listen to me. A lot of things began to happen. You know, many people, and I mean many, I'm not going to give you statistics because 49% of them are made up. Many people have not returned to church that were going to church prior to COVID-19. Maybe even half the church. I'm not going to give you statistics, but they say the number is, 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 is absolutely crazy. Now, there's some new people that have come back to churches since COVID-19, but there's a lot that have left. And what I would like to say to you is that God is cleansing his temple. He's cleaning up his bride. And, and, and there comes a time where you have to make a decision. Does my truth do what I believe? Does it line up with the word of God? Does it line up with what God says? I mean, is marriage really a man and a woman? What is marriage? What is the institution? If your answer does not line up with God's, then you have a problem with God, not with the Supreme Court, not with the, the, the right or the left, not with the Republicans or Democrats. Democrats, if your definition of marriage is not a one man and one woman for life, then you have a problem with God and you need to go back to God and let him cleanse your temple. Because sanctification is about us beginning to have the mind of Christ, believing the same way as God as the children of God. What about family? How does family work? The institution of family is God cleansing your temple today? Is it one woman, one man, and then they have children? Listen to me. It can't be two dads or two moms. That's not family. And these are serious issues that cleanse the temple. These are serious things that we have to talk about. How many genders are there? Is there one gender, two genders, 25 genders? Where are they at now, 123 or something crazy? There's two genders. God's truth is God's truth. And it separates the wheat from the chaff. It separates the goat from the lambs. It separates and cleanses and washes the bride so that we know the truth. We don't have any. There, 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 there's no other truth except for this living truth, Jesus Christ. He didn't say, I, I, I'm one of the truths. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you have a different opinion than God, you're in trouble at the heart of your Christian walk. And you're not going to be sanctified and cleansed if you keep saying, I'm stubborn. I still believe it's okay if they have two dads. I'm stubborn. I still think it's okay if you resist what God is doing in cleansing and setting aright his church, his temple. It's the same way that Israel did in 111. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believed they committed, they entrusted their spiritual well-being to his name. And name, uh, Onema, or Onema, is his character, his nature, his will. Most importantly, it's his authority. Are we going to come back under the authority of God? I mean, so what are some of the things where he's cleansing the temple? Is a baby a human all the time? Does, does life begin in the womb See, these are things that we have to stand around. We can't say, no, it's okay to kill your baby. Because God's a God of life. He's a God of life. These are, these are very important things that, listen, you might think, 
Well, where do you, why are you preaching to us, Greg? This stuff is, this is automatically 101. We believe this stuff. Wait a minute. A lot of the church doesn't. People say, I, I believe in Jesus Christ. And then they say, I also believe in a woman's right to kill their baby. Then you don't believe in the same Jesus Christ of the Bible. And you have to align your heart with God's heart, your mind with God's mind. You have to let him cleanse your temple. He's speaking to us today. Remember what happened? He chased out. He drove out those selling oxen. He drove out those selling uh, 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 cows with a whip of cords. And then he said in 2.16 to those who sold doves, doves being a type of the Holy Spirit, take these stains away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Listen, are you taking these things away from your heart? This is the, the act of sanctification, the cleansing of your temple personally. Are you saying, when my will meets the, God's will, I'm following God, and I'm saying no to self, denying self. This is what we're doing. He's speaking to you and me. Are you following God or following the world's science? I don't have to mention that they keep saying, but I will mention, follow the science. And their science isn't real. It isn't true. I don't care if you have six million scientists say that, that it's evolution and not creationism. Does it make it true? It does not. God's word is still true. He created. He spoke and created the heavens and the earth. He spoke. Ex nihilo, bera ex nihilo. Out of nothing he created. Bera ex nihilo. We have to have these things lined up before we can ever get to a process of continuing to wash and cleanse. Education. You say, oh man, it's crazy what's going on. Listen, God is cleansing. God is separating. God is changing. People will say, man, it's crazy what they've been teaching in school. Good, get your kids out of school. That's what they're teaching us to do. Oh, well, this is, uh, oh, my goodness, what will we do? Well, we'll go back to putting the responsibility on the parent for the training in righteousness of your child. That's what the Bible calls us to do. Teach them in the way that they're supposed to go. So while we think the world is falling apart, God is cleansing and bringing us back into the mind of Christ, what we're supposed to be doing according to the word of God, not following the world, not following the government, because we know that 1 John 5, 19 says, I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. All of the systems are underneath the sway of the wicked one. They're all designed to lead you away from God not to God. The Spirit of God is the only thing that's going to lead you to God. And as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the children of God. Not led by desire for money, desire for vacation, desire for this or desire for that. Led by the Spirit of God. How? In truth. Where's that at? In the Word. Listen, is God cleansing your temple? Are you allowing Him are you involved in the raising and the parenting and the training of your children? Or is the government controlling that? With a John Dewey school system. Listen, I know you're saying, what does that mean? Well, investigate. Find out what it means. It's a Marxist school system based in socialism or communism, whatever you want to see. It's not based in the Word of God. 
God is turning over tables. This is what he does. Remember, now listen to him. I want to give you back our introduction. We'll go into our text. Remember what happened. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's our outline. John 1, 14, the Word became flesh. He dwelt among us. It actually means he pitched his tent. These are earthly tents. He pitched his tent among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Then what happened, Greg? Then John comes, John the Baptist, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And a couple of his disciples go, Oh, okay. And they start following. They're introduced to Jesus. Then what does Jesus say to them? Jesus looks at them following and says, what are you seeking? And they said, where are you staying at? They're seeking a house. They're seeking shelter. And he says, come and see. So there's an invitation to come and see God's house. And then they go out and tell others. And then as they follow, what happens? There's an intimacy. There's a love relationship. This is all John chapter 1. And when there's this love relationship, he said, do you believe now, Nathaniel? You believe because I've seen you under the fig tree? And he said, from now on, you'll see the Son of Man ascending and descending on the clouds of heaven, coming and going, back and forth. Listen to me. And then what does he do, Greg? Then he turns water into wine. He does his first miracle at a wedding. And the final miracle is going to be at a wedding when we cross the finish line and we sit down at the wedding supper of the Lamb. And then what does he do? He cleanses the temple. They're following. The disciples went with him to the wedding. They said, we want to go to a wedding. He says, well, come on. I need to wash and cleanse you. So he cleanses the temple. Are you allowing him to cleanse your temple? Well, how do we do that? Well, the next thing we're going to see is Nicodemus coming. Listen, what is Nicodemus doing? Well, you could say he's making inquiry or you say he is investigating. Either one, whatever you want to say. It begins with an I, though. It begins with you. He is investigating these truths. That's what we're going to see as we open up. See, because listen, he closed chapter 2 with that he did not commit himself to any man because he knew what was in the heart of men. Do you know that God knows everything? He never learns anything. And so no matter what you do on the outside, no matter what you how you dress up, how you look, we might think, man, those people right there, they, man, they are got it going on. They are good Christians and they pray every day and there they are at church again. God already knows what's in our temples. He already knows what's in our spiritual house. He already knows what's in our heart. He knows what we're planning. He doesn't have to commit to anybody that he knows is not his child. He already knows. He already knows everybody that chose him through foreknowledge. He already knew. He never learns anything. You and I need to investigate and learn the knowledge of God, grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we do, we submit to his knowledge and we die to self and that washes us and cleanses us as we're led by the Holy Spirit. Where are we being led? To where he's at. He's seated at the right hand of the power on high. We're going to the throne room. We're on our way to heaven where he's at making intercession for us. But we got to get serious about it. We got to get serious about it because if we follow the wrong voice, we end up in the wrong place. That's why Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
but we play about it in America. We have apostasy. We, 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 uh, we never change our mind. I'm not changing my mind. It's my family. I won't change my mind. If God doesn't like them the way they are, then I'm mad, and I'm not going to change my mind. Listen, are you going to let your pride and your arrogance keep you from salvation because your family member chooses to live in sin and God won't forgive your family member? How about living rightly and be a witness to your family member and let them know that God will save anybody who repents, turns from their sin, changes their mind to his way, not our way. See, because a lot of us, we think we have it going on. Nicodemus is getting ready to come to him, and he thinks he's got it going on because he's a ruler in Israel. But what happened? We already have the testimony. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Here they are. They're the teachers, the rulers, the leaders, and they don't receive him. We'll see Nicky's a little bit different. But what is it that you think is right, and you got your heart set on it, but it doesn't line up with God? doesn't line up with truth because he wants to cleanse that. He wants to turn that table over in your heart. He wants you to say, yes, Lord. And, and, and you might say, oh, I've said yes, Lord. I've said take it, Lord. Listen, the power is there through the Holy Spirit to take it from you. The penalty has been paid for by the blood of Jesus. And then given the Holy Spirit when you believe gives you the power to walk out of your sinful life, to walk out of your selfish life, to walk out of the Satan-filled world and to begin to follow onward and upward in Christ Jesus. So let's read three. God knows what's in your heart. God knows what's in my heart. He doesn't need you to tell him what's in your heart, although it's a good thing. Lord, this is in my heart. Will you take it out? I can't go on unless you take it, Lord. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let's stop right there. Father, we give you praise and glory and we ask you to help us understand your word. Help us to have a desire to deny self, to take up our cross and follow you daily. To allow your spirit to lead us into all righteousness. Lord, that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness for your name's sake and for no other reason but for your name. Pour out your spirit upon us, Lord, as we investigate the truths of your word. May we grow in the grace and the knowledge of you and in our intimacy. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now back in three, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, the Pharisees, we've defined them many times. There's what's called the Sanhedrin, which was the rulers of Israel, the religious rulers. And it was made up of the high priest and then Pharisees and Sadducees, two, party of, two parties of believers. Now, until this study, I really believed that they were all priests. And then I found out that they were not because it made sense. Now, I, I tell you, I've been studying the Bible for about 25 years, and I thought always they were priests because they're the leaders. They're the ruling authorities. And as I begin to do this study, I find out that, that the Pharisees and Sadducees, a lot of them were just made up of businessmen. They were made up of what we would call businessmen. They were just made up well-to-do people that did good in society, and then we put them in place, and so did the Jewish nation. We do the same thing in the church today. We let people rule over us and be on our boards and be the head of the church simply because they do good in the world, and then we say because they do good in the world, they'll do good spiritually. That is not true. That is a very bad thing to do. Because you can do great spiritually and do nothing in the world except be a witness for Christ. I mean, think about it. The Son of Man, he said, the birds have nests and the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. By today's standards, we go, he ain't nothing. He ain't even got a quarter. He ain't got a dime. He don't even have a house. We would, we would judge him by the fact that he has nothing. He was homeless. Instead of by what he said, by the words of his mouth. So anyway, the Pharisees, they, they were men who believed in the Bible. They believed in angels. They believed in the resurrection. They believed in, in, in miracles. And so they, they believed in keeping the word of God, but they did it externally. Listen to me, this is very important. They did it on the outside with fancy clothing and phylacteries and, and different symbols and signs that made them seem to be more than they were. But on the inside, Jesus said, they were ravenous wolves. They would travel land and sea to win one proselyte, one convert to the faith, and then they would make them twice the sons of hell. Why? Because they would teach them to only do it externally and not about the inside of a man, the soul of a man, the place that God wants, the middle of us, the washing and cleansing of the temple. That's why it's so important to see that's where God starts at. When you believe in him, he starts by washing the insides, making the insides new positionally, 
by the blood, and then practically by the Spirit that comes in and begins to do home makeover. The Spirit of God comes in there and goes, what's this wall doing in here? What's in this room? What's this you're looking at? What's this you're doing? And starts tearing out walls and making room, because if it's not his house, it's not his house at all. If every bit of it doesn't belong to him, it's not his. So you have to have a willing heart to say, Lord, take it all. Tear down the walls. Home makeover. This is, this is, this is the, 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 the heavenly perspective of HGTV, home makeover. It has to all become new. It, you can't keep none of the old or it wouldn't be new. He says, I make all things new. If anyone in Christ is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The only old thing that should be in your house is the Ancient of Days, God Almighty. So these Pharisees, they worried about the externals. How did, did anybody see that? How does that look to other people? But they didn't worry about the internal. See, again, I believe that that's a much like us doing uh, uh, church today where we, we, we do everything to get people to an altar to say a prayer but then we don't get them to get into the word, prayer, and fellowship and begin to surrender to God with intimacy so that they can be washed and cleansed on the inside and they can go out and tell others and they can become a child of God that's led by the Spirit of God for the glory of God. And they can become a disciple maker of their own. They don't need somebody else to be holding their hands all the time. We need to grow up in the faith. And then, this, of course, the Sadducees, they were the mafia bosses of the day. They didn't care. They didn't believe in anything except for uh, the first five books. And then they didn't have them right. They didn't understand them. You talk to them about them, and they wouldn't be able to comprehend them. And I'm just telling you, it's the way it is in the church today. There's a lot of people that are uh, they just going through life, pushing through. They're doing what they want to do, living how they want to live. And, and they just say, no, I'm a Christian. And, and they have no evidence, no fruit, no, no desire for the things of God. They were mafia bosses, only worried about making money. All of these are making up the ruling authorities in the Jewish synagogue of the day. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees all came underneath the one person, the high priest, and in the day that we see, there's actually two high priests, even though it was a seat that was designated by God, that there was only supposed to be one from the line of Aaron. There was two of them because why? They were in bondage. They were under Roman rule. They were listening to the government and following the government. So the government took out the high priest and put in a son-in-law who cooperated with them better. We'll see it in the text as we go through this more. Um, it was Caiaphas and Annas. Uh, are the two, I believe, if my names are right. And, and so, again, we have the type of two, but who is your high priest? See, because Jesus has become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is to be our high priest. 
The veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. And now we can come into the Holy of Holies. We can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We do not need anybody else to lead us there. It's a personal relationship. Behold the Lamb of God. We're introduced. Come, come and see. We have, we have an invitation to have intimacy with God. And now we need to be investigating these truths and not just believing a man when you have the Spirit of God to teach you all things. Do not believe a man. I would tell you, don't even believe me. Search it out. Find out if these things are true. The Bereans searched the scriptures daily to find out if what Paul was telling them was true. You don't need a teacher. The gift of teaching is in the church today, but you don't need a teacher because you have the Holy Spirit, the greatest teacher of all. God himself living in your heart and saying, let's tear down this wall. And you got to say, tear it down, Lord. you got to cooperate with sanctification, with cleansing of the temple. So here you have these Pharisees come. And this one's we tell we're told that his name was Nicodemus. And that he's a ruler of the Jews. So we know that he's in the top 71. That's the way I'll put it. Because of the 71 that's in the Sanhedrin. I think that he is even higher than that. So... Um, Nicodemus, well, Pharisees first means separated ones. Pharisee means separated ones. Separate, they're separatist. Now listen, it doesn't mean it in the sense that we'd say it today. Uh, Proverbs says, a man who isolates seeks his own glory. No, I forgot the first part of the verse. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. And these were called separatists because they were, if they was walking down the road, people would actually go to the other side and get away from them. They would separate themselves from them because they were so holy or looked like that on the outside that, that people didn't want to be around them. And they wanted their, I mean, that, that's, that's just a bunch of pomp and prestige. It's not real. Because the ground is level at the cross. We're all equal at the cross. We all have the same blood. We all have the same inheritance. We've all become one in Christ at the cross, but there's different gifts, but those gifts don't make you any better than anybody else in the body of Christ. And when you learn your identity, it gives you even the power of God to walk out and run this race, I should say, for God. So Nicodemus, I'm having a little bit of trouble with Nicodemus. We might call him Nicky, but his name means, uh, victorious among his people or conqueror is a way that it's used in in biblical usage but when i looked it up i i don't see among his people really in the definition i say it's just a victorious people who come and investigate and meet with jesus I think that's what Nicodemus should mean. Now, I'm just, I'm just telling you, in my old country way of doing it, I, I, it's not just victorious among his people, but you can be victorious among your people if you meet with Jesus. I just didn't see it when I was looking at it. I go, where are they getting among his people from? When you start searching out the roots of it, it doesn't mean among his people. It just means a conqueror. It means one that's victorious. If you want to have, live a victorious life in Christ... Because we're already overwhelmingly more than conquerors, you have to keep coming to Jesus. 
You say he came by night. He came by night, and you can look at it in a bunch of different ways. Was it dark in his life? Was he dealing with the darkness in his life? Or was he just proud? There's pride. So we become not just a secret person who comes, a secret seeker. But listen, people know he's come. Because it says, we know you're a teacher from God. So other people know that he came. But they're trying to find out what's going on. They're investigating. There's other people involved in this. It's not just him by himself. But if you want to be live in victory, come and meet with Jesus. Come and investigate. Come and reason with him. Night and day. Pray always, Paul says. To be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So you're supposed to pray without ceasing. Coming to Jesus. What are you talking about, Greg? Is this what he's doing? Well, he's coming to investigate. He's coming to ask. Right now, we just come to the throne room boldly and ask, what's going on here? And see, here's the funny thing is that prayer is not about getting God to do what you want to do. Prayer is about aligning your heart with what God's truth is. So when you come and pray and you say, oh, just heal them, God might be saying, I'm not going to heal them the way you think. I'm not going to give them a physical healing. I'm going to bring them home to be with me. And when they come home to be with me, beautiful in in my eyes is the death of the saints. So I'm going to give him a healing, but it's going to be a new body. So you're going, no, Lord, heal him. And he's saying, line your heart up with my truth. Line your heart up with what's about to happen. And the closer you are to what I'm telling you in truth, the easier it's going to be when it comes. So you line your heart up with God. That's what prayer is about, is finding out the will of God and finding out what God is doing. It's not about, come on, Lord, do what I'm doing. That's flesh. Prayer is about lining your heart up with what God and His Spirit is doing right now everywhere that you're at. And it's all about the reconciliation of souls, yours first and then others. So He comes by night. We see He's a ruler of the Jews. We'll keep moving. Verse 2, This man came to Jesus by night and said to Him, Master, Rabbi, Again, notice he says, we know, we understand. It's obvious. Even to those who are secular in mind, aren't listening to what God's saying. They're apostate. We know that you are a teacher, an instructor, a master, rabbi, come from God. We know where you come from. of place and time and relation for no one can do these miracles these signs remember signs tell you more about uh, the miracle more information i always use this one see this wall this is a wall it's painted brown it's an off-color brown my wife doesn't like it we're going to change it soon Uh, and you see the wall from there But if I put a sign up here and hang it here and it says wet paint, that tells you a whole lot more about the wall that you wouldn't know without touching it. So that's what it's an indication of something. So now I know not to touch it because it's wet paint. It's a sign. Uh, See, sign. Exit sign. It tells you that's the way out of the building. 
Sorry, that's what a sign is. And it, it may seem uh, simple, but what we're going to see in all the conversation, all the reasoning, all the words of Christ is that he is God in the flesh, that he already knows Nicodemus's heart. He already knows everything. He doesn't need anybody to testify. In fact, some people even take uh, uh, the last of, of chapter 2 and put it right into this text because it goes with the fact that he is deity with us and that he can see into your heart and he already knows. And even when you're not asking the right question, he's telling you the right truth. He's speaking to your heart the right way. Even when you're off searching for the world and your career and everything, God comes alongside and begins to speak to you. And he's speaking whether you're looking or not. And he's trying to draw you to him. And you can keep resisting him or you can receive his word and say, here I am. I surrender. I want to deny myself because what you have for me is way better than what I keep chasing, which is death. I keep chasing death thinking it's going to be good walking around in the nighttime, and you have something that's so much better for me. And so they recognize, unless God is alongside him, with him, uh, sent him, they, he couldn't do these signs. But notice what he says. He's talking about the miracles. But something else is on his heart. And what does Jesus say when he answered him? He said to him, most assuredly, or verily, verily, amen, amen is what it is. So be it, so be it, uh, amen. I say to you, notice it's personal. We want to know, but he says, I'm speaking to you. I don't care what your church is doing. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean your building and your, and your budgets and your businesses and your buildings. But I'm speaking to you as a living stone. I'm speaking to you, Nicodemus, personally. If you're going to investigate this, I, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See is to discern clearly, physically or mentally, it's to attend to. You can't even be part of it unless you're born again. In the Hebraism, it is, it is to experience or, or to uh, become a part of. What do you say? Born again. Now listen to me, because when you look up the word again, it means born from above. It means born from above. Listen, you can look it up. It, it means from above. Unless you're born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot discern it clearly. You cannot attend to it. You cannot take heed to it. And cannot is the word dynamite. See, we don't get that. I don't get that. When I see the word cannot, I don't get it being the word dynamite. Well, what's that mean, Greg? It's the word for power. Unless you're born from above, you have no power to see or understand or comprehend or be a part of the kingdom of God. Unless you're born, you have no power. I don't see the word, I don't know about you guys, in the English language, when I look at the word cannot, I don't see the word power. Although if that's what it means, it's didomai, it means ability. You're not able. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? We don't know how old he was. Can he enter a second time into his mother womb, mother's womb and be born? Now notice again, 
Jesus is speaking of spiritual things. And Nicodemus is still speaking of fleshly things. But God doesn't walk away and go, oh, I'm done with you. You're still thinking about the flesh. All you're thinking about is how can I get back in my mother's womb and be born again? I'm not talking about that. I said born from above. But his mind, and that's the way we are. Our minds stay down here on what we can see, what we can touch. Not the spiritual realm, but God is a spirit. And it's to be lived by faith and to believe his truth and follow him. But Nikki's still, how? It's an it's a interrogative question. But he's stuck in this physical I'm trying to do my physical. I'm trying to live down here. But if you are born again, you're a citizen of heaven. Jesus answered, verse 5. I'm going to move quickly a little bit. I don't know if we're going to have enough time, really, for our material. Most assuredly, again, he says, amen, amen. I say to you, notice it's personal, it's to you. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Notice first he said, see. Now he says, enter the kingdom of God. Enter means uh, to arise or to come in or come through. Same word that's used in Matthew 17 where it says, uh, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate to destruction, and many find it, and narrow is the gate to life, and few enter in thereby. Same word. Oh, I understand. I'm going to church now. No, are you entering by the narrow gate? Have you been born of water and of spirit? Because unless you're born of water and of spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. What are you talking about? I'm a physical man. I'm trying to understand this. Nicodemus would say, you might say. And I would tell you that I believe that water is our physical birth and that spirit is our birth or baptism into the body of Christ when you believe in Jesus Christ. Now, why would I say that? Because of verse 6. He gives commentary of what he's talking about. That which is flesh is flesh. Let me read. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. There's his commentary. So water is fleshly birth. And spiritual birth is a spiritual birth. See, you cannot see the truths of the scripture unless you have the spirit of God to guide you. This is a spiritually discerned book. It's a spiritual kingdom. We serve a spiritual God. You have to be born from above. The Spirit of God that come down has to come into your heart and give you eyes to see and ears to hear what God would say to His church, His bride, the living stones. You can't understand this book. I wish I had, a, I don't even need a dollar. How about a quarter for every person that tells you that I've read it, but I don't understand it. Well, you have to have the guide, the teacher, the Spirit of God to help you understand the Word of God. And you have to get it and begin to investigate it. You can't just read it and go, oh, I read it. Now, I wish I had a dollar for everybody that told me they read the Bible. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get pretty rich here. I'll be able to tithe. Teasing, teasing, terrible joke. Listen to me. Are you still living in the flesh? 
Have you asked the Spirit of God to lead you and guide you and direct you? Do you ask the Spirit of God to lead you through the Word of God into all truth? That's what He's here for. To lead you into all truth. Have you been born from above? Listen, I didn't say, did you go to an altar and say, I believe in Jesus, I confess my sins, because that's not in the Bible. Have you been introduced to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? Have you received the invitation to come, to taste and see that the Lord is good? Have you begun to grow in intimacy? Are you investigating the truth? Because when you draw near to God, He draws near to you. When the Spirit of God comes in, He cleans up the house completely and begins to wash and cleanse you from the inside out. You begin to go the opposite direction. And yes, it's, it's because you say, no, that's not who I am anymore. But you don't have the power to do it, but the Spirit has the power to move you in a different direction. I would encourage you very much to get into the Word, Prayer, and Fellowship. This is not a pastor cheerleading. This is the Bible telling you if you're going to be a new creation, you have to begin to go to different places. You have to stop doing all the things you were doing and begin to go get into the Word of God, to, to begin to follow the Word of God, to hang out with people that are doing that if you want to grow it's going to help you grow because others can counsel you. You can counsel and encourage other people. People wait to see you. But if you stay doing what you've always done, you're going to quench, grieve, insult, lie to the Holy Spirit, and you're going to still be in the same old house you was always in. And you're going to wonder, why do I keep rising and falling? Why do I keep doing this? And I, I have victory for a week and then no victory for a week. And then I have victory for a week. Just abide and continue and remain in the vine and you'll produce wine naturally, fruit naturally that you can ladle out and hand to other people. Begin to read the Word of God, even if it's only a paragraph a day, and say, God, here I am. Allow your Word to do spiritual heart surgery. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It cuts away. It builds up. It's going to have its way with you, whether you understand it or not. But you can ask the Holy Spirit to help you to see. And then you ask the Holy Spirit to help you enter into the kingdom of God and enter into His work that He's called you to do. And you don't continue to live in the flesh. See, the flesh is supposed to be crucified with Christ. I'm going to... That which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit. And there's many people that would teach this text, and they will tell you that everybody's born in the flesh, so that can't, water can't mean that. Water can't mean that because everybody that's got salvation, listen to me, there is no salvation for angels. And this clearly, because there's fallen angels. There's angels that are now cast into the abyss. They're, they're underneath the, the judgment of God, and they're going to go and live in hell forever. Hell was created for fallen angels, not for mankind, not for the souls of mankind. And salvation was created for the souls of mankind, not for fallen angels. So you have to be born through a woman in water and then be born of the Spirit into new life. You were born dead, and now in this second birth, you're born into life, and that more abundantly, and that's your position in Christ. And practically, you can still live as if you were dead. Practically, you can keep doing what you were doing and still believe in God. 
but you're not going to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to enter into the kingdom of God according to what he says. You, you see it and then you enter into it or you can reject it. Have you been born of spirit? Because you have to be born of the spirit. If you have not the spirit, you are not God's children. Do not marvel, thou, thou madzo. Thou madzo, I like that word. Do not marvel, he says to Nicodemus. It means to wonder or admire or have admiration for. Do not marvel that I said to you, there's the you again, it's, it's personal, you must be born again, born from above. The wind blows where it wishes, given another. Listen to him, he's given commentary to help him understand it, help us understand spiritual things. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. What? Listen. Listen. You hear it? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You can hear it in a person's voice. You can hear it in what they talk about. You can hear it by who they're testifying of. You can hear that the Spirit of God is in a life by what they're doing in, as they speak. But you can't see where it comes from because you can't see the Spirit. No one can see God and live. Listen to me. What happened in Acts chapter 2? What happened on the day of Pentecost? Do you remember? Acts chapter 2, when they were waiting all in one place, in the upper room on, on the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, 50 days after the, uh, uh, the Passover. It says, when the day of Pentecost, chapter 2, had fully come. In other words, it was going to be fulfilled by Jesus right now. Practiced all those years, now fulfilled. They were all with one accord in one place. They were all waiting. All doing the same thing, waiting for God to speak to them. Suddenly, there came a sound. Notice you could hear it sound from heaven it was from above as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were setting listen that wind came from above you could hear it but there wasn't nothing moving there wasn't a branch on a tree moving there wasn't nothing going on but you can tell when a life has been filled with the spirit there's power there's a dynamic you can hear it when the spirit of god enters into a house enters into a life. When you're born from above, it's noticeable because you're no longer the same. And then, of course, there's the divided tongues. That's a, God's a consuming fire, baptized with the Holy Spirit. And it set upon each one of them. You could see it, but it wasn't burning. Remember that when Moses, Genesis 3.15? What in the world's that? A burning bush and it's not being consumed? And Moses tried to approach after he's been 40 years, the number of judgment in Backside Seminary in the wilderness. And God said to him, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. So he kicked off his shoes. In other words, he stopped living the way he was living. He stopped walking in his shoes and he was going to begin to listen to God in his voice and follow what he said. And he said, go tell, my pe go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh's a type of the devil. And, of course, we know the whole thing. Moses means one drawn out. He was drawn out so he could draw others out. Well, what was he drawn out of, God? Or, Greg, he was drawn out of the water. The waters of this world. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit, the water of God from above. 
Have you been filled with the Spirit? See, that's the way the church was birthed. That's what Jesus is talking about. Not flesh. But they made their flesh be still. And they sat in the upper room and waited. And then there was a wind, a rushing mighty wind. And you know what? People heard it. Remember, they all came and, and, and they concluded that they were full of wine. Full of new wine, they called it, because he was intoxicated with new wine. And he says... And then, of course, Peter, after denying Christ three times, gives that dissertation of the first sermon, and 3,000 people get saved. Sorry, was not teaching the book of Acts. Just wanted you to see that this is all able to be commentated by the rest of the Bible. Um, born of water is flesh. Okay, now let's use the analogy. When you're born of water, what happens? I, I don't mean your head's lopsided and... But think about it. You're in, this, you're, you're in this environment, and it's water, and you're in there, and, and you're breathing a certain way, and all these things are happening, and there's life in the womb, right? And then you come out, the water breaks, and what has to happen? You have to be cleansed. You have to be cleaned up. They don't even give you to your parent until they clean you up, and they wipe away all the old, the sign of the old womb, and they clean it up, and then they bring you out, and now you begin to learn to walk. You begin to learn to, 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 to be on the nipple and, and the milk of the word. You begin to learn all, and the Bible's exactly like that. Listen, let's look at, let's look at some things that, that make this where you're washing and cleansed. You're being washed and cleaned from the old one. We were in death, and now we have life. And, we're, and, and God now, with his, his, the, the, his water and his word, he's washing off the afterbirth. What happened in death? He's cleaning all that up. He's given us a new testimony, a new witness, a new life, new creations. And, and, and let's just look from above. Turn to book of James. Let's try to walk through this. See, I didn't know where this was going to end up at because my brain was popping. But in James, I think we'll do James first. Let me find some of these notes that I had. 117 is first. Let's just take a little break here and look at it. Do a little bit of Bible sword drills. James, what is it, 117 did I say? What does it say, 117? Listen to this. Every good and perfect gift is from where? Above. Unless you're born from above, that's where it comes. That's where Jesus came from. It all comes through him. In him we live and move and have our being. And comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. There's, no, there's absolutely nothing. He's not changing. He's the unchanging one. If it's new, it's not from God. If it's from God, it's not new. He's the ancient of days. Listen, you don't need to follow every movement of the water because God's not moving. His spirit is here to win souls. And we are to be witnesses in this grand courtroom of it by our lives. Look at 3, chapter 3. Chapter 3, we want to see, um, let's look at 13. Let's start with this, because this is the difference between following the world and following Christ. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Now, we have to, well, what, what, what wisdom is that? But if, he have, if you have bitter envy... 
You have any bitter envy? You envious of other people because they have something you don't have? Self-seeking, you still living in self-life, chasing stuff for you. In your hearts, notice where it's at. Do not boast and lie against the truth. See, listen, if you're envious and self-seeking and it's in your heart and you're still living for yourself, you're boasting and lying against Christ. Your witnesses is that you're lying because you're not dying. Look what he says in 15. This wisdom does not descend from above. See, we need to know we're, if we're born from above, we're not going to be living this way, acting this way, doing this way. We're going to be putting that to death because it's not part of the new life. This wisdom is not from, does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual. That's where we get the word psychology from. Demonic. See, because there is a, there is a wisdom that you listen to people and you think, wow, they're really good at this. They're good. They have, and it's all demonic. It's all earthly. It's sensual. It's, 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 it's something that feeds to the flesh and it does nothing for the internal except kill you and make you twice the sons of hell. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Here's the contrast. But, 17, the wisdom that is from above. This is what we want. What's from above? Born from above. It's first pure. You're being uh, sanctified and cleansed. Positionally, we're pure. It's peaceable. It's, uh, we're willing to be at peace with all men as far as we are able. It's gentle. He says over in 1 Thessalonians, let your gentleness be known to all men. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Now, that doesn't mean that, oh, I'm so gentle that I only want to step on a grape. It just means you handle people differently with wisdom. James say, or, uh, Jude says, on some have compassion, others save with fear, hating even the garment defiled with the flesh. So some people, you have to have God's wisdom and know how to speak to them. Am I supposed to be compassionate with them and having compassion because they're indeed lost? Or is this person actually just lying? And he's just living anyway and doesn't care about the word of God. So then you have to save them with fear, hating the garment that's been defiled by the flesh. They're continuing to live in their flesh, live for self, be self-seeking, chase the things of the world instead of being a witness for God. And being led by the spirit of God. So it's first pure, then it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's willing to yield. You know that God's a gentleman, he's never going to force salvation on you he's never going to force any anything on you it has to be a free will choice of yours so in in wisdom we're willing to yield here it is we're going to lay the cookies out on the shelf if you want them little children come and get them put them in milk that's what you start with is milk We'll turn there for Peter here in a minute. I want you to see this. If you're going to be born again, born from above, willing to yield. And what is it? Oh, it's full of mercy. That's how we were saved, by mercy. I know you've heard all your life it was by grace, but it's mercy. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. That's how he saved us. Because of his mercy, now we're given grace and we can believe by faith in that grace, which is God's riches at Christ's expense. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
For we are his workmanship, his poema. We're works in progress. He's cleansing us, purifying us, teaching us to be willing to yield. Created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. Not in our shoes anymore. Take your shoes off, Moses. Take your shoes off, Greg. Take your shoes off, Nikki. You know what he's doing in Nikki's life right now? I know you guys are, is we talking about Nikki? Yeah, we're talking about Nikki. Nikki thinks he's a teacher. Nikki thinks he's a ruler. Nikki's been promoted by everybody except God. And so he, you know, he comes and he says something, and he just turns the tables over in Nikki's life. Nikki thought he was going to rule the conversation. Nikki thought he was going to come and question him. And he's been confronted with new life. And it just turned the tables over. Now he can choose to follow what he said and be born from above. Or he can choose to keep his little tables with all of his little trinkets on it. Have his little rummage cell that looks like he's saved. And he's really himself lost. Full of mercy and good fruits, which produce wine. Without partiality, it's for everybody. And without hypocrisy, it's not just on the outside it's not pretending and playing. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Are we looking to be at peace? Listen, that was just from above, from James. Then what happens when you're born from above? First Peter chapter 2. We just went through Peter, didn't we? Listen, 2.1. Let's just start in 2.1. Therefore, laying aside all malice. Listen, that's dying to self. All deceit. This is flesh. Hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking. That's blasphemous words out of your mouth. And then as newborn babes have the afterbirth of this world and this death washed off of you. Oh, that's not what I said. As newborn babes desire, your desires change, the pure milk of the word truth why greg that you may grow thereby grow in what godliness christ-likeness if indeed you have tasted that the lord is gracious coming to him as a living stone see we're living stones we were in, rejected indeed by men this type of life is rejected by men the spirit is rejected by men Coming to him as a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. Of course, that's really speaking of Christ. He was the living stone that was rejected and then chosen by God. He's the anointed. And then you also, personal, a living stones, are living stones being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Are you kidding me? Under the order of Melchizedek to offer up. What are we supposed to be doing? Offering up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Wow. Remember what Paul said to the Romans in 12, 1 and 2? I beseech you, I plead with you, I urge you, I beg you, brethren, considering the mercy of God, that's how we were saved, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. Holy means set apart. Don't, don't turn it into something it's not. It's set apart for God to do work in it. It's a separated person rightly not pharisaically separated to do the will of god to be a witness for god to proclaim light in darkness 
holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's the only reasonable thing we can do considering the mercy of God. And do not be conformed to this world. Listen to their earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom, but be transformed, metamorphosis. Become the new creation. Be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Why, Greg? So you can become evidence. So you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You become the witness, and then people hear it. They don't, know where, they don't know where it comes from until you tell them. They hear the wind. They hear the, your new life. They hear the testimony, but they don't see until they are born from above. And then they can see how your life changed. And then they can follow, create intimacy, investigate, and then they can enter into the kingdom of God as we see Nicodemus is going to do. Because you know what? In chapter 8, he defends Jesus. When they're ready to kill him, he says, Wait a minute, our law does not tell us to, to, to judge somebody until he has been given a chance to speak. And they said, You search for yourself. There's no prophet that comes out of Galilee. And then what happens in chapter 19? He comes with Joseph of Arimathea. And they take the body, and they wrap it, and they put it in a tomb. So Nikki actually gets born from above. Nikki actually begins to believe. Okay, look at Hebrews 5. What's he doing? He's teaching a topical from a chapter. Oh, look at Hebrews. <laughs> I'm sorry. You guys falling asleep yet? I don't know how you could with this stuff. This stuff just, just excites me. Chapter 5, after we're told that Jesus is a high priest, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, that's verse 10, 510, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. You know what happens when you become dull of hearing? You don't grow. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And dull of hearing means you're not listening with the intent to obey. That's the church today. That's apostasy. Listen, because when you hear, you have the intent that I want to obey, I want to follow, I want to do that, I want to be washed and cleansed. But when you become dull of hearing, you're going, oh, I heard that sermon, it was exciting, but I'm going to go back to my old life and live in death and keep doing what I've always been doing, and absolutely nothing's going to change because I'm not going to mix it with faith. That's how all the children of Israel died in the wilderness. They heard the truth, and they didn't mix it with faith. If you go read the rest of the book of Hebrews, which, by the way, men, make the coffee. Hebrews, not Shebrews. Get up and make the coffee for your wife. Sorry. Unless, of course, you're tired. And then you say, honey, it actually in the Hebrew, it's pronounced Shebrews. It's true, too. That's just a little tidbit. I give it to you extra. Let's look. 512 Hebrews. For though by this time, listen to this, dull of hearing has hurt the church, it's apostate. For though by this time you ought to be teachers with your life, your words, your witness, you need someone to teach you again the first principles, elementary principles, of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. See, as you mature, you move to solid food, not milk. 
Peter said, desire the pure milk of the word. As you desire it, as you get into it, then you begin to deal with solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, word of right living before God, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use, have you been using your faith? Have you been practicing? Have you been doing it? Have you been telling others? Do you own it? They have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, this is to know when your wisdom is good or evil, when what you're doing is fleshly or spiritually. And I'm not going to go on, but if you read this, you would see that. Well, let's go on. Verse 6, or chapter 6. Therefore, and he Therefore, as always, you look up to see what it's there for. Leaving, we're going to leave the discussion of elementary principles. Are you kidding me? What is the elementary principles? What is it that a babe would know, a baby, on on just the milk of the word about Christ? Let us go on to perfection, completeness, wholeness, not laying again the foundation. Ancient of days, Jesus is the rock. He's the foundation. Don't build on anything else. Of repentance. Changing your mind, turning, metanoia is the word, from dead works of the flesh and of faith toward God. Now listen to what he calls elementary, doctrines of baptism. Notice that there's plural, there's a lot of doctrines of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection from the dead. These are elementary things. I'm like, oh my goodness, eternal judgment. And now notice this, and I'll go back to our text, verse 3. And this we will, we will do if God permits. See, it has to be the Spirit of God that takes us and grows us and leads us. So we have to ask the Spirit to grow me up in the most holy of faith. Get me off of milk. Get me off and send me out. What's my gifts, talents, and abilities? How do I pull away from the world to turn into sway of the wicked one and begin to live for you and run this race to win? Being led by the Spirit of God. So just like a baby, we need to be cleaned up from the after death, we could call it. Being dead in the world. He tells Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit, who is born from above. Have you been born from above? Don't have to understand it completely, but you can see it. You know, there's a dynamic with it. There's a power of it. 3.9 of John, Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Isn't that interesting? Psalms 119, 9 through 12. How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, we better go there. I thought I knew it. Get under pressure. You guys are looking at me. It scares me. That's why we do scripture memory verse on Friday nights. Is because a lot of times you might know it, 
but it's hard to say it in front of people. So on Friday nights, we allow you to say it in front of somebody that loves you, that you know is not going to pick on you. And then you get used to watching it come out of your mouth and you can go to the mall or wherever you go. I don't go to the mall and you can share it with somebody. This has actually been our memory verse. Uh, Psalms 119.9. How can a young man and a woman cleanse his way? Isn't that what we're talking about? Being cleaned up from death washed and cleansed by the washing of the water through the word, by taking heed, being steadfast according to your word, obeying it. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments, your authoritative prescription for my life. Your word I have hidden in my heart, treasured in ASB, that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. That's what we have to ask. But then he goes, what happens if he teach him? What happens if all this happens? 13 says, with my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Oh, I got to quit. I got to quit. Let's go back. See, the word commentates itself. It's nothing new. He's saying the same thing. And he says it through you as a witness the same way if you let him. How can these things be? All things are possible with God. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and you do not know these things? Isn't that interesting that he would say that to uh, Nikki? That's like a punch in the belly, isn't it? You're, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't even know that you had to be born again? And really, uh, the is not even in there. And I was trying to find my note. Art thou a teacher? He says, art thou a teacher? Uh, but it is. I don't know English. It is a definite article pointing to him as being one of the specific teachers, maybe in the 71. Maybe he's considered greater than that. I know that he's losing respect with people the time you get to chapter 8 because they mock him and says, search the scriptures. No prophet comes out of Galilee. So if he was an esteemed teacher, they're not honoring him with that statement that they make to him because he's believing in Jesus. And even amongst your own peers, when you begin to believe in Jesus, they will mock you. They will begin to ride you. They will begin to try to convince you not to follow Jesus and not to believe that he is the Messiah, the Mashiach of God, the anointed of God. So then he says in verse 11, most assuredly, I say to you, we speak, notice it's in capital letters, what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. Now, it's said three times we, so it could be once for each member of the Trinity. He could be saying we in the fact that the Father has sent him. The Spirit is speaking to him right now because he's investigating and he needs to believe and follow. Let the tables be turned upside downward. Or he could be talking about those who he's pointing with that's with him, his disciples, 
and giving them the power to also have this authority to speak the word of God. So the capital W could be a mistake, but it could mean both. Okay, I'm just giving you something to look at. But the church speaks, and if you are born of the Spirit, you're going to speak what you know. Amen, amen. I say to you, we speak what we know and testify, give witness of what we have seen, and you do not receive it. What did he say in 111? As many as received it, he gave the power, King James, to become the children of God, even to those who trust and commit to his name, his authority. So it's not up to us to make people believe. It's up to us to give testimony and witness and to be the new creations and go out and live a life for Christ, not buying into this world, but continuing to understand that we're citizens in heaven and being led by the Spirit. Verse 12, Jesus says to him clearly, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And I think he's referring to the wind and trying to bring him into it through that. But earthly means worldly, physical, morally. uh, It means of the earth. And then heavenly means from above. Isn't that what we're talking about? From above, born from above, wisdom from above. Every good and perfect uh, gift comes from above. And we could probably go through and find a whole bunch more from above. I forget how many there was in the Bible from above. And he's not trusting it. He's not having faith in it. He's not, he's not putting his belief in it. How will you believe anything else? And that's the, again, being born from above. This is salvation. Is Christ Lord or not? Is his truth true or not? You have to put all your eggs in one basket. You can't ride the fence. You can't say, well, I believe that Jesus is true, but I don't think he understood that somebody was going to be born in the wrong body. And now this is a man in a woman's body, and this is a woman in a man's body. Listen, I'm going back there because our society is going there. Everything's going crazy, and you can't define anything anymore, especially truth. What happened at Jesus' trial? Herod said, what is truth? Truth stood before him. Truth stands before you. Truth comes into your temple. Truth turns over tables. Truth says, listen to me, believe me. And we say, well, you know, uh, maybe, maybe not. Or do we say yes, amen, and amen? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Do we say, Lord, I believe, but my flesh is fighting? Come and help me. Do we invite him into our house to do home makeover and let him have the hammer? Do you believe that he is God in the flesh? He's, oh, he goes on to say, verse 13. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man. Now, I, I marked out who is in heaven. I marked it out with my pen because it's not really in the text, and I believe that it doesn't make sense because he's standing before him right now. Uh, He's in heaven now, seated at the right hand of the Father. But at the time, he was speaking clearly to him 
about ascending and descending. Now, let me give you just a couple things for you Bible scholars, for you Bereans, for those of you who are going, wait a minute. Is Elijah and Enoch in heaven? Just food for thought. Because of what Christ says here, listen to it. Because it's a long thought. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man. And that's a messianic term from Daniel again, Son of Man. He became flesh. He became our kinsman redeemer. He had to become flesh or he couldn't act as a one who buys us back according to the law. He had to become our nearest of kin or he could not buy us back. Gives him the right to buy us back to those who believe in his name. And then he told Nathaniel that he would see him ascending and descending hereafter. Heaven opened. Angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The last scripture in chapter 1. And then he gives him, here, you're the teacher. Here, you're the one that's been expounding on the scriptures. Here, you're the one that tells Israel how to live. So he gives him a Bible story. Where does he point him to? He points him to the Old Testament. He doesn't say it is written. He just says, and I think in a, in a way he's respecting Nicodemus. I think he knows that Nicodemus is going to come to him and is one of his and is honestly seeking, honestly wants to come to salvation. So he says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, when, it, when you see eternal life and everlasting life, I think it's like 80 times in this book. It's really talking about a quality. Everybody's eternal when you talk about quantity. Everybody is a spirit that's going to live for eternity, eternally, everlastingly, somewhere. Heaven or hell. But we really want to see when we're given this gift of God that it's with God in his house eternally. So it's a quality of newness of life. It's a quality of um, salvation. And so he gives him this. He says, here's a Bible testimony for you. And it's in Numbers 21. And I want to go back there and look and we'll close with this or something else. This is my first of my 12 closings. And I really like it. I was telling my wife this morning, I'm always amazed at God, and we should be. We should always stand in awe. But our Friday night Bible study is in 2 Kings chapter 18, and it just so happens this same exact testimony is in that chapter. It, it, it was what we were going to study Friday night, but my wife was sick and we canceled. But this same serpent, they're worshiping by the time we get to chapter 18, and it says that Hezekiah in the reforms, he ground it up, he broke it up and destroyed it so they'd stop worshiping it. And the same thing is going on in the church today. So let's look, it's Numbers 21 and we'll close. And I know you guys can only take as much as your seat can take, but bear with me. And we're going to start in verse one because I want you to see first the promise of God. Then, or excuse me, the king of Arad I'm not going to tell you what that means. You can look it up. It's one of the bad words that's in the Bible. So, the Canaanite who dwelt in the south heard 
that Israel was coming. Those who are governed by God were coming down the road from Athraim. Then he fought against those governed by God and took some of them prisoners. And many in the church today is taken into bondage and in prison. So those governed by God made a vow, a wedding vow to the Lord and said, if you will indeed deliver, that's the word for salvation, this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. This is speaking of sanctification and washing and cleansing, getting rid of all the old enemy out of your life. And the Lord listened to the voice of those governed by God. Israel means governed by God and delivered salvation up the Canaanites and they utterly destroyed them in their cities. So the name of that place was called Hormah, which means utter destruction. Now, here's where I wanted you to get, because this is what Jesus just told Nikki, one that comes investigating because he wants to be victorious in his walk with God. So he's growing in his intimacy and he's understanding and bowing down to the truth, allowing the tables to be turned over. Then they journeyed. They went on their journey. They left from where God and then made a vow and God did his part from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, which means red, it's the Edomites. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Now listen to me, we are going around. We're going to go to heaven. There is salvation. You're positionally saved. Practically, there's some things that God's working on. He's going to allow, he's going to bring, you're going to cause things to happen in your life. Don't get discouraged in your soul. Don't become weary, impatient, vexed, or grieved on the way because you're already there positionally. He loves you with a never-ending love. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And the people spoke against God. What happens when you get discouraged? They spoke against God. Not just God, but also Moses, the one that was drawn out and was leading them out. And what they say, Greg, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? (laughs) The land of the cops. C-O-P-T-S. That's Egypt. For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Are you kidding me? Listen to me. This is so we can learn. It's examples. Because I always encourage, and you can ask anybody, get in the Word, Prayer, and Fellowship. Just read the Word. If you don't know what it says, read it. Get it in you. It's good medicine. It'll go down and do what it's supposed to do. And here these people were given manna. You know what they said? It it means, what is it? Manna means, what is it? When you read the Word, sometimes don't you say, what did it say? What is it? Well, Jesus, we're told in the New Testament, He says, I am the bread of life. So when I say get into the Word, don't get discouraged and loathe it. Don't get discouraged and say, I've been reading the Word. It's not working. Don't become weary, as Paul says. and Don't, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. But they became discouraged, and they called the bread worthless. So the Lord sent... Guess where it came from? The Lord sent it. Fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people governed by God died. Many of the people of Israel died. Fiery serpents. Now, 
We know that original sin and our original death came from a snake, from a serpent, and that when he bit us, it's, it's, it's a type of us being born dead. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. They repented. For we have spoken against the Lord. They repented. They confessed their sin. And against you, Moses, pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses said, uh-uh, tough. No, Moses prayed for the people like they always did. Moses and Aaron would eat sand. They ate sand all the time for the people. And this is a type of Christ interceding for the people. Then what did God do? It's in verse 8. Remember, 8 is the number of new beginnings. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make, fashion a fiery serpent, set it on a pole. Serpent again is death, Satan, death culture. The pole is the cross of Christ. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, they've been bitten by the snakes anyway, all of us are born bitten. When he looks at it, the serpent on the cross, he shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if the serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Listen to me. How many people didn't look? How many people? We're not told. Bible says none lost except the son of perdition. But what was it? It was God's provision. God's provision for what was ailing them at the time. And Jesus is using it as a type of him being lifted up. They put it on a pole. They lifted it up. Bronze is judgment. Bronze and brass in the Bible always stands for judgment. Silver is redemption. Gold is deity. Always. Then you have blue and red, and all these make purple, which is royalty. Blue is the sky. Red is the blood. To mix them together, you get the royalty of Christ. All of these are lined out in the book of Leviticus where we see sacrifices for what? Our judgment. And that's what this is. It's a type of Christ being lifted up and taking our judgment. In the 40th book of the Bible, this is one of the 40th books. It's uh, 44, actually. But 40 is the number of judgment. And the bronze stain. But listen what it was. It was God's provision. Christ is God's anointed. He's the provision for your sin nature. He's the provision. And if you look to him, you can be born from above. If you look to him, but you do not begin to worship the post. Is that what we've been doing? The pole. We worship the pole. We have little crosses everywhere. And we worship the pole instead of the person who died. I know. I'm not worshiping that cross. It's costume jewelry. It has to be inside, not outside hanging. Doesn't mean that it's wrong to hang on you. But if it's not translated into the heart where you're being washed and cleansed, then you're just worshiping the pole. You have a head knowledge of the event. You're not really looking to with expectation the one who died. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And in, in Hebrews, again, after the hall of faith, after having faith, he says this in 12, 1 and 2 again. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we are all supposed to be witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. Weights are, you know, hobbies things we want to do, bucket list, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. 
and let us run with endurance, with patience. Don't get it discouraged. Run with patience the race that is set before us. How do we do that, Greg? Verse 2, looking at God's provision, looking unto Jesus, the author. He's the beginner and he's the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We have to follow the leader, the author and the finisher. He's the one that can get us across the finish line. He's the one that can do the work in us, but we have to do it his way. We can't do it our way. We can't make up our own ways like Nikki was doing. We have to let him restore proper worship, spirit and truth in our life. And we're going to get there. It's in the next chapter. Chapter 4, Spirit and Truth, the Samaritan woman. Are you allowing God to wash and cleanse your temple by getting into the word, prayer, and fellowship, by surrendering to the work of His Spirit, washing of the water through the word of God, the truth of God with a heart to obey God when you hear truth? Is He being lifted up high in your life? Because whoever believes, pistio, trust your in spiritual well-being into him, you will not perish, but have eternal life. And we're going to break that down next week, God willing, because you're going to see the most rehearsed verse in the church. Allow him to wash and cleanse you. Allow him to send you out so people can hear that you've been born from above. Because if you haven't been born from above, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it's living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. And it's a discerner. It judges the thoughts and intents of our hearts because that's where you want to change us on the inside, not the outside. Lord, that we would not live in apostasy. We would not read your word and never change our mind. Lord, help us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so we might prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of yours. Pour out your spirit upon your people. In Jesus' name and for his glory, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I